0: Johnny, my friend, I have just eaten a delicious serving of beer, cheese, and pretzels from the Handlebar that you got for me, and let's just do everybody listening a favor and tell them if they don't know about the Handlebar's happy hour.
1: Place is great. Seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get some money off all of their ridiculous amount of draft beers. 28. Super great rotating lineup. Half off bottles of wine, excellent patio, delicious food. It's got everything a growing boy needs.
0: Yeah, again, that's the handlebar. They're right here in Chico on the south end of town at 2070 East 20th Street. Check out that happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. Get a dollar off all of their draft beers. Here's the show. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a podcast and radio show where each week, Johnny Summers and myself, Max Minardi, keep you updated on all of the wild new things going on in the worlds of craft beer and film. Good afternoon or morning or evening, everybody. Hello. Hi. This week on the film side of things, we're giving you our thoughts on not one, but two movies that hit theaters last weekend. The first is about a controversial invention that first dropped in Japan that would forever change the world as we know it. I'm of course referring to Barbie, the latest feature film from writer-director Greta Gerwig starring Margot Robbie as the famed doll and Ryan Gosling as Ken. In the back half of our film talk this week, we're diving deep into Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan's biopic about a somewhat historically ambiguous character, J. Robert Oppenheimer, played here by Killian Murphy alongside a brilliant cast, including Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, and many, many others. But for now, Johnny Summers, tell the listeners what we're drinking this week.
1: This week, we're doing beers from Temblor Brewing out of Bakersfield, California. Does that sound familiar, you may ask? Does. It does to me <laughs> Because we just did them Seven months ago But yeah. they rated
0: poorly Right it was episode 288 Yeah um, Christmas. Christmas Christmas night Yeah we covered Violent Night um, Which a movie that we both enjoyed I, I don't like think that. We thought it was amazing But like liked it Yeah um, Yeah the beers Not so much We did their first beer That we covered Was called Mixed Berry Creamsicle um, Johnny you gave it A, a 2.3 I gave it a 2 And then we also covered A porter of theirs Called Chocolate Pecan Porter um, That you gave a 5.8 I gave a 6 So not great But not terrible
1: Yeah So the road to redemption For Temblor runs directly through this podcast yeah where their worth as a brewery is going to be defined today when we drink ruby's boysenberry cobbler it's a kettle sour that's six percent and beer number two later in the show is called electric pineapple it is a fruited sour that's seven and a half
0: percent yeah we got both these beers this week you and i were shopping together for the show and we picked them up at spike's bottle shop a couple weeks ago uh, and then took a week off uh, so here we are drinking these if you're listening on kzfr 90.1 fm we hope you're having a terrific saturday afternoon On the radio version of our show today, you'll be hearing our episode almost in its entirety, which will not include any major spoilers for either Barbie or Oppenheimer. So if you haven't seen the movies yet, have no fear. You will sadly be missing out on our Hot and Bothered segment, though, which is exclusive to our podcast listeners. It's how we end the show each week, by catching up with each other, discussing everything from the latest shows we recommend streaming to fun beers we've tried off the air. It's really anyone's guess.
1: Yeah, and to our podcast listeners, we're kind of going off format, and we're not spoiling either movie this week for you guys as well. Uh, There's a lot of content to cover and both these movies deserve a fair review, so we're not going to get too deep into the weeds in the uh, in the spoiler territory. Anyways, to find all that, you're going to go search Fresh Hop Cinema on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all the major podcast platforms. We have released new episodes every Friday since 2016, which means it's available to all of you listening on KZFR right now. Just go look it up. If you like the show, please take five seconds and go leave us a five-star rating on the Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Uh, give us a text or brag with feedback uh or negatives no we don't want that
0: no we'll We're, take negative feedback yeah, sure yeah uh,
1: about the show at our phone number 530-433-0839 again that phone number for the podcast is 530-433-0839 it's the only podcast in your feed that you can text
0: and i wonder if that's true
1: i've never heard anyone else doing that oh really yeah i've heard a couple lo- lo- a e- lot of emails sure
0: but yeah, so. just text us. Standard SMS text messaging rates may apply. <laughs>
1: That's okay. right. Uh, to hang out with us on the internet, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, or Untapped, Or just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com.
0: And if you're sitting there thinking, look, guys, you say this every week, I've already done all that. But for some reason, I forget about this next part. Well, let me tell you. You can also go to our other favorite website, which is patreoncom slash Cinema. And if you don't know what Patreon is, uh, let me give you let me give you the four one one real quick. Basically, and this is the very truncated version. You give us money, we give you extra content. That could be bonus episodes of the podcast where we um, skim over blockbuster films that we haven't put on full episodes. We did that recently in what we called a speed round. Could be bonus beer reviews. Could be mini episodes where we talk about nothing and everything all at once. Could be invites to events. Um, and this is getting to be a longer version of this than I meant. So basically if any of that sounds appealing to you, you can go to patreon.com slash cinema and you can pledge, um, a dollar per episode, $3 per episode, five, ten. we have it structured. So those four price points are kind of, um, broken up by benefits. You can give as much or as little as you want, but those are kind of the, the price points. That $500 per episode. Why not? And And to be honest, if you pledge 500 bucks an episode, I will invent another tier. Um, it won't be worth that, but I'll make up a new tier just for you. I'll come clean your house. <clears throat> um, that's Johnny that said that in case anyone <laughs> knows. Um, we didn't have any Patreon birthdays this week, so no shout outs are in order in that department. We gave yours before you I left. Know, just but, just... but sure, you're older now. How old are you now, dude? Thirty-six. Thirty-six. And you I'm sure we'll talk about this in hot and bothered, but uh, you had a vacation. Um so I guess I suppose happy um belated birthday now. Thank you. I gave you in an advance and now a belated. Four and after. Perfect. Okay, let's get into beers of the week. Um, Now that all of our housekeeping's done, what do you say, man? Let's do it. All right, beer one, I'm going to take lead on this for fun, is Ruby's Boysenberry Cobbler. Uh, As you pointed out, it's a kettle sour. It's a boysenberry kettle sour. It's 6%, and the description from Untapped goes as follows. This beer is inspired by our owner's 93-year-old grandmother who has been making this cobbler for over half a century. The kettle sour tartness is balanced by graham cracker, boysenberries, vanilla... And lactose. Johnny, uh, for those who can't see us right now, um, which is everyone, uh, I've seen you take your lactose pills because you, sir, are lactose intolerant. You Mm -hmm. aren't intolerant of many things, but lactose is one of those things. So you're all geared up. You're ready to go. You're sniffing the glass.
1: I'm also judging their grandma. For making this cobbler or on what you're about she's to say. She's 93 be. and she's only been making it for half a century. She started a
0: little late. Well, they didn't start said, making cobblers. They you your 40s? Over half a century. And I think once you're doing in centuries, it's either half a century or a century. And she's not been making it for a hundred years. So I think over half a century is fine. I don't know. I would have said, you know, because assuming she started doing it when she was like twelve. Twelve. she started doing it with like her grandma, like I would have been like, she's been doing it for 80 years. Right. Like that's what you that's what I would say. Exactly. I'm not in that business. I'm not in the, the marketing department necessarily. Um, but either way. What we're looking at in our glass is, um, as you might expect, a ruby red beverage. Mine's got very little carbonation looking around the head, almost no head actually. Yours has a little bit more and it's clinging to the glass indicating maybe a little bit more alcohol than uh, the 6% um, actually has. But it looks like a syrupy kind of, um, yeah, kind of like a ruby ruby red, almost guava juice color um, mm-hmm. that's got a little bit of legs going as you swirl it around the glass. Yeah, You've tasted it. What's your experience and your smelling experience? My smelling experience, it had um, some acidity right there Mm -hmm. on the
1: front. It made me a little concerned. It had, I mean, it's supposed to be a sour, so you're kind of looking for that. Uh, It smells very jammy. So I'm anticipating something that's super sweet. Um, You know, it's a cobbler beer. Mm -hmm. So it's supposed to be robust in its flavor profile of sweetness with the graham cracker. Um, Yeah, first impression, super underwhelmed. Oh really? Unfortunately,
0: and you're going from from nose to mouth now. You're yeah,
1: like tasting because yeah. it, does,
0: it doesn't smell underwhelming at all.
1: No, but the flavor is is present in a almost a hard candy sort of way, not really in a fresh fruit or cobbler sort of way. Uh, I think the the graham crackeriness comes on the finish, where you just kind of get a biscuity note at the very end. Um, yeah, super thin, not nearly as jammy as it smells or looks or is advertised as. Okay. Yeah, kind of a just okay thing for me. A little
0: carbonated too?
1: (laughs) A little carbonated.
0: Um, Yeah, I'm with you. I think there is a candy vibe there. Is there a particular candy you're picturing uh, when you taste this? Well, at first when I smelled it, it was those little hard strawberry candies. Can you scroll up on your notes real quick? Uh, Because I wanted to almost make a bet, but the only person I could bet with is you. uh, And this would have spoiled the sample size. Where? How far am I scrolling? You'll see it. You'll see it probably. Barbie? No. Highlighted in yellow, right above Patreon. What did I write there before I asked you this question? It's not
1: oh strawberry candies at grandma's house. Is that' what you're picturing. Yep. Yeah. In the dish, in like a little <laughs> yeah. crystal dish.
0: That's exactly what this is like. Um, though those are probably more sweet than this is, but that is absolutely the smell that you get, and it's absolutely the initial taste. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you though; it does get to be a little bit underwhelming after that initial burst of flavor. Yeah, it's just not a robust flavor profile.
1: Like it's advertised, and it smells big. It smells like this beer is going to be. Multi-layered, really involved, jammy. It's going to take you on a journey through the world of desserts, and it really is just kind of a ambiguous berry kettle sour.
0: You know, I do think that some of the tartness comes from the boysenberry. Mm-hmm. It's probably my least versed berry of all of them, of all the the you know kind of the big the big ones. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's probably the tartest. Like, yeah, I'm not. It's yeah. tarter than raspberries, tarter oh. than blackberries for sure. Wow. Um, so if you use that in a cobbler,
1: it's got to just have a ton of sugar. In you, it.
0: Are, you like it. Well, maybe, but do you like a strawberry rhubarb pie or even a rhubarb pie?
1: Rhubarb is a very assertive flavor right? that's either kind of love it or hate it. And I am, I would lean towards more loving it. It okay. has to be prepared, right? Cause that can be so bitter and go off the well, rails right. so, so like, fast. So
0: that's a pie that needs a ton of sugar, mm-hmm. right? right? I'm not sure boysenberry is the same because I think some of the bitterness, um, No. Tartness, yeah, in a boysenberry is um, is an affectionate taste. That's not the right way to say that, but for a lot of people, it's it's not quite so cloyingly sweet as maybe a blackberry or raspberry would be, right? Um, so I don't even think that that's necessarily a downside or or a, a missed target for what they were going for. But my distinction and and my own um, line will be drawn on whether or not I enjoy that flavor that I think they've captured quite well. That's fair.
1: Mm-hmm. I've never had a boysenberry cobbler. Mm-mm. I've had many many cobblers you know it doesn't matter yeah i don't know if i'm I gonna try do. to make a cobbler they're fun they seem easy to make they really are especially depending on how you do like the biscuity aspect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i've done them with like the pillsbury pop open the tube i love popping open that tube that's man. the easiest the, way and the then whack then on the you man make, it's good and you make your your fruit compote is that right No, a compote's more blended, isn't it? Who knows? I don't know. But you make your fruit mixture yeah, and just plopping those on there and throwing it in the oven. Yeah, that's
0: all it is. So I've had peach cobbler, obviously. But I don't think I've ever had a boysenberry um, cobbler either. Okay. Um, I would try one based on this, though. I I do like this beer. Okay. I just also think it is underwhelming. Yeah. Not even particularly because of how it was marketed to me by the can of the description, strictly speaking by the smell that I got. Mm-hmm. It prepared me to have something really, really sweet and really, um, really in your face. Mm-hmm. And once I mitigated that expectation, I actually find that I enjoy the restraint. Okay. Because this very easily could have been one that turned into syrup. Kind of like I thought it looked, like it looked really, really viscous and really alcoholic and really sugary. And it's not that way, uh, which I think is working to its favor, at least in my mouth.
1: You know what this reminds me of, and it just hit me like a struck of lightning, is the raspberry beer from New Glarus. Uh, yes. In a big way, but this is just the like wish.com
0: version of that beer. I'm still on struck, struck of lightning is what you just struck by like a struck of lightning. Um, is that what I said? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Um, what the heck is that beer called? It could just be called, um, I think it was just raspberry raspberry tart. I think it's called raspberry tart from new Glarus. Yep. Um, but they also have a couple other, they, I think they're framboise. Um, yeah, man, it's been a while since we've even talked about those beers, but, um, there's a great one that's kind of like their go-to. That is escaping me for some reason. Um, so, oh, by the way, Spotted Cow. This is only for people that have heard the episode where we talked to Chris Gomez. But um, Dario Argento. I told you, couldn't think of the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. I was going to bed last night. It's Suspiria. Ah, I yes. I just couldn't think of it all during that conversation that we had yesterday. That makes and me. And I happy. had to tell you. That makes me very happy. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Anyways, but yeah, this does this does give off those Neglieris vibes a little bit and on the nose. Certainly tone. Yes, on the nose.
1: Oh, it'd be fun to do those side by side. It got me stoked because I'm. Well-documented as loving, super jammy beers. Like yeah. I love jammy wines. It's just the yeah, quality sure. in beverages. You like I, sugar. In certain styles of beverages, yeah. like fruited stuff, yeah, I want those jammy notes. I mean, yeah, yeah. me too. And it kind of it teases me with that on the nose. But for what it is, it's not a bad kettle sour. It's mm-hmm. just it definitely underperforms.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, compared to some, I just think they're different styles. So again, I'm not going to hold it against it. I enjoy this. I think it's refreshing. And I think, and we didn't say this, but we purchased a pint can, which is how it's sold, uh, which is a lot, you know, it's not the same as getting a little 375 milliliter, um, which I think is just over 10 ounces. Um, it's not a 12 ounce can, it's a pint. And, um, I, I don't know. I'd be hesitant if this were sweeter or jammy or whatever. I don't think I'd probably want the whole thing. Yeah. But I could I would I would enjoy a full pint of this for sure. I think this is really good. I could see that. It's it's
1: kind of thin enough mm-hmm. and not overbearing enough where you could enjoy it for
0: more ounces. I've only had about total like 2 ounces in my glass and I've been sipping it pretty slowly. And it's warmed up a bit. And you do, I do lose some love for it as it's warmed. Yeah. Some of that punchy sweetness goes away and makes room for more of what I'm assuming is like the graham cracker aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, but ends up feeling very muted and rounded and, and bready, but not in a good way. Right. Um, so I wanted to point out a, like one or two negatives that I was experiencing here, That's because we're going to get to scoring this at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and up till now, I think I've only said really positive things, which I do <laughs> like to do, but there are some, um, some detractions here for me. Um, what about you? Any other uh, glaring negatives? I
1: mean, no. Nothing that I haven't already said. Okay.
0: Well, then let's give it a rating out of 10. It's like a 4.1. 4.1. Um, all right. that's I mean, that's fine. It's still kind of coming ahead of the, the first beer that we did from them. Big time. Seven months ago. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember actively disliking that one. I do, too, when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why we looked up when yeah. we had done this brewery, because we typically try to take a little bit more time, but technically six months is kind of our...
1: Yeah, that's you the cutoff. Like if it's been less than six months, here we out. try not.
0: Yeah, right, um, dude. For me, it's a six. I think it's good. You know, it's above average. I would. I'd drink some more of it. I'd drink it again, probably. Not amazing, but I like it. And that's where I'm at with Ruby's Boysenberry Cobbler.
1: All right, a very middle of the road
0: kettle sour from the folks over at Temblor. I do like the can. The can's nice. It's very drippy. There's like you know, uh, what is in cobbler? You call it filling. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's like filling dripping from the top and there's all these fun little angular shapes that give I think that's what caught our eye about it when we first picked it out mm-hmm. Not even noticing that it was Templar that we had done them so recently because it's on the back But we loved that can design, so I think, you know It's
1: very eye-catching
0: Get a little nod from me for that That's fair All right, once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. If you've tried Ruby's Boysenberry Cobbler and you think we got it wrong, looking at you, Temblor, or you know that we obviously got it right, get in touch, please let us know. You can leave us a voicemail or send a text, like Johnny said, to 530-433-0839. Again, our phone number here at Fresh Hop Cinema is 530-433-0839. And hey, if you like the show, help us out and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts.
1: Do it. It takes mere moments of your life, and it's one of the most effective ways to help us get our show in front of new potential listeners that would like us just like you do so next is a trailer for barbie if you haven't seen it yet do not worry there are no spoilers in our next segment don't go anywhere hey barbie can i come to your house tonight
0: sure i don't have anything big planned just a giant blowout party with all the barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song you should stop by so cool you can- best day ever it is the best day ever so is yesterday and so is tomorrow and every day from now until forever yes! dance, you guys ever think dance. about dying when my heart breaks some things have been happening that might be related when my world shakes, cold shower ooh, falling off my roof ah! and my heels are on the ground <gasps> have to do you have to go to the real world you can go back to your regular life or you can know the truth
1: about the universe the choice is now yours the first one the high heel you have to want to know okay do it again
0: Closer I am, fine. I am fine.
1: I'm coming with you okay
0: This is the real world. (laughs) What's going on? Why are these men looking at me? Yeah, they're also staring
1: at me. (laughs) Barbie in the real world. That's
0: impossible. If this got out, this could mean extremely weird things for our world. This would be catastrophic! We haven't played with Barbie since we were like five years old. Oh. No one rests. Until this doll is back in a box. Even if nobody else
1: alone. Humans
0: only have one ending. Get that Barbie! Ideas live forever. No, I won't let you do just one appendectomy. But I'm a man. But not a doctor. Can I talk to a doctor? You are talking to a doctor. Can I need a clicky pen? No. A sharp thing? No. There he is. Doctor! Somebody get security. Is Bobby booked if you're still in doubt?
1: Well, if you are just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. It is a show about the worlds of craft beer and films. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, Sadly for you, you're going to be missing out on some solid gold that's available exclusively to our podcast listeners. So if you like to hear the whole episode, go subscribe to Fresh Shop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform that you download podcasts from. It's currently available for your streaming pleasure. So after the show, if you're just dying to know what all the hot and bothered fuss is about, go download it and have a listen.
0: All right, this is a little reductive, but I stole it from the internet because I didn't have time to write my own intro. Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in the colorful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie Land. However, when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living among humans. Um, We'll talk about why that is way too reductive in a moment.
1: (laughs) That's a broad stroke. But uh,
0: this was directed by Greta Gerwig. If you don't know the name, she did Lady Bird and Little Women. Um, She also co-wrote this this film here with um, her longtime writing partner and life partner, Noah Baumbach. Um, and it stars Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling as Barbie and Ken. You also have America Ferrera who plays Gloria, a person in the real world. And one of, um, the few women in this movie, not named Barbie in some iteration, uh, Kate McKinnon shows up as weird Barbie. Um, Simu Liu shows up as another Ken. Will Farrell plays the, the CEO of Mattel, the toy company that uh, made Barbie. There's tons of other people I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute here, but I will say before we get to that, this came to wide release on July 21st and runs an hour and 54 minutes. It's a movie I've been super excited to see, um, a weekend of film that you and I have been looking forward to for quite some time. Uh, so, Johnny, your relationship to, is there any chance you had like Barbie dolls growing up? Don't know why you would, but maybe. I don't think so. Okay, me neither. So then your relationship to the film, please.
1: Well, I mean, I was intrigued immediately upon hearing of its uh, you know, existence sure. just because I have a ton of respect for Greta Gerwig just and great. then Noah Bomback. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about like the most elite power couple in Hollywood, maybe in I my mean, opinion. Yeah, same. Uh, and so just the 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 power of the directing and writing doing a project like this that is not something I would expect either of them to to do, quite frankly. Uh, and just fueled by the curiosity of where they're going to take this and, and what they're going to do with this ip um i loved the cast i loved so much of this movie man i had such a fun time with it it was light-hearted when it needed to be it was mm-hmm. funny when it needed to be <clears throat> it was you know um it had commentary i think it it came pretty close to heavy-handed but i think it was wrapped up in enough loosely veiled metaphor and sure. also comedy that it didn't really beat you over the head with mm-hmm. it like it was all very tongue-in-cheek commentary yeah. which i think uh, gets its point across really well like you you mix it in a little humor sandwich you mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. get a jabbing point in there pretty well man and you know the whole ken's subplot was fantastic right um all in all man the set design was beautiful the soundtrack was ridiculous great soundtrack um Fantastic movie! I had an absolute blast with it. I think Margot Robbie was a great casting choice. Who else are you gonna pick? Right? I think Ryan Gosling absolutely nailed it. Who else are you gonna pick? Yeah, yeah. And I, I was. My expectations were exceeded by quite a bit, uh, in that this movie had a great deal of substance. It had a lot to say, um, and it also just delivered. I think you know, there's a rare time when there's a total package of good plot, good writing. Good acting, good directing. Mm-hmm. Like it was, everything about this movie was above average to phenomenal.
0: Out of 10 for you? It's a 9 3. 9.3. Fantastic rating from you, Johnny Summers. Uh, I was obviously super excited. Ladybird's one of my favorite movies probably ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, more of a lighthearted movie than Little Women was, which was a remake, I think, five times over. Um, but Greta Gorg has this really, really great ability to, to bring heavy topics, emotional topics, and intertwine them with comedy in a way that I think makes room for for really cathartic moments. And, and I, that's kind of what I was expecting. I mean, she sets the bar really high. Um, and you take a concept like Barbie, which, which has been around, I think, since the 60s. I should have checked. But I think the first toys um, were manufactured and released in Japan in like the 60s or maybe late 50s even. Um, it's been this cultural icon for so long. And the idea that um, a fairly young director would take, what is the year? 59 59 um, would would take on this this giant cultural icon and make a, a pretty c- progressive movie about it um, I thought was admirable but a little bit daunting I was pleasantly surprised I think all the stuff you're saying is correct um performances are great I think Ryan Gosling is one of the one of my favorite actors number one but also one of the most underrated comedic performing actors <laughs> ever like um, he's so funny I said this a bunch but in um the other guys. The nice guys. Um, and it was the nice, the nice guys. Reason. Uh, he's hilarious and like crazy, stupid love. Anytime he's given the chance to be funny, he's very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and Margot Robbie who's had less experience in strictly comedy roles, I think is also really good here. There's a moment where the na- there's a narrator here. It's Helen Mirren. Um, there's a kind of a fourth wall shattering where, um, there's a, an emotional moment happening and the narrator says something to the effect of Margot Robbie, like note to filmmakers, Margot Robbie is the wrong actor choice. If you want to sell this moment, which I like, think is so funny because Margot Robbie is like the perfect Barbie character here, mm-hmm. but it works in, in a way that's very self-aware the whole movie where because like a lot of the movies about, um, you know, like the objectification of Barbie and the unrealistic body standards that's created for young women and <clears throat> it would really have been easy to miss that mark. Uh, by casting Margot Robbie and just like leaning into like, she does kind of look like a Barbie. Mm -hmm. Um, She's got the figure for it. But then you also have her counterpoint essentially, which is Kate McKinnon here, who's like weird Barbie. I love that. It's such a good casting choice too. Like Kate McKinnon knows how to, there's so many good jokes.
1: Yeah. And her comedic timing and delivery is so good. Tremendous. She was the perfect guest for that.
0: I was also really surprised. This seems like a movie that um, in a less um, skilled director's hands might've been, just ripe for making CGI Barbie land. Mm-hmm. And so much of the set is built practically like almost in like the style of like 50s, 60s soundstage musicals where there's yeah. all these like, like the backgrounds are painted, but then all of the stuff, there's brilliant transitions between like Barbie land and real world where there's like, it's just, you could you can tell it's like, um, I don't know how to even describe it, but
1: like two dimensional,
0: uh, cause it was. Well, it was, it's, I mean, it's three dimensional in it. Cause like you got layers of things moving right. back. But there's like layers that will just be removed and brought in, in in a very tactile, tangible way. Yeah, almost like <clears throat> a
1: play, like a stage Like production. a play, yeah.
0: Like you'd see like like set dressings come in on like rollers and mm-hmm. like there's bushes or like waves or whatever. Yep. Brilliant. Yeah. Um...
1: Yeah. What, oh, about? I was just going to say this movie and probably another director's hands might've got real clunky. Totally. And, um,
0: yeah. Cause there's a lot going around and, and I think you can tell this isn't like a, a first time movie makers go at it, nor, nor script like Noah Baumbach and, and Greta Gerwig have done a lot of stuff together. We might talk about, but, um, I loved it, man. I, I was uh, entertained and, um, I got like almost teary eyed at one point. There's a, there's a sort of a, a, surreal kind of dream kind of sequence that happens. Um, I won't say now, but it's towards the end. Um, there's a lot of flashback stuff that happens, and it's really great. Um, there's so many homages to other movies throughout cinematic history, which I know Gerwig has a strong affection for. I loved it, man. its um, I, I don't think it's quite a 10 for me, but it's definitely a very strong 9. I loved it. Nice. Great score. That's where I'm at. Right. Um, well, we've got a little time here for our radio listeners before we should probably move on. Um, what would you like to discuss here? You got anything in particular? The soundtrack, dude.
1: The the, sure. the the original songs made for this movie are of a caliber that is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you have original songs from Lizzo, sure. from Dua Lipa, mm-hmm. from Billie Eilish. Don't know if you guys have ever heard of those Man, people.
0: that song. And that song is called What Was I Made For? Ugh. And it plays during that sequence I was talking about. Yeah, dude. It's a it's a brutally gorgeous emotional song, mm-hmm. um, which you, comes out of nowhere. Right. Because so much of this movie is lighthearted on the surface. But yeah. And yeah, you get hit with like this whole sequence that happens.
1: It's yeah. really great. It's suddenly super introspective and- yeah. Yeah. Soup. Yeah. Powerful scenes. Um, so I think the soundtrack stood out for me like mad. Um, everything we've talked about as far as acting and performance, the casting I would like to discuss too. That sounds great. I think the casting in this movie might be some of the best casting of a of a large cast um, in I don't know. Shoot. Maybe since like some of my favorite Wes Anderson yeah. movies.
0: Which is crazy, because we're also talking about Oppenheimer in a little bit here, which also has a crazy cast. Yeah. Which, to me, this cast was more impressive. I mean, I think there's... Well, it, different different yeah. things, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, no, man, I loved the casting. I think everyone that was in a role, it was a great choice. Like, just every once in a while, you get one of those movies where, like, mm-hmm. every choice mm-hmm. as far as casting was just spot on.
0: All right, here's a question for you. Yeah. Uh, which... I mean, like, which casting choices stuck out to you as as the smartest ones the best ones i have the cast list in front of me um which if you want to pull it up is very helpful because there are so many people uh, in this movie just to give you an idea for those that haven't seen it there are one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen people who are a barbie Mm -hmm. there's different there's like weird barbie like we've talked about president barbie writer physicist dr barbie lawyer barbie there's so many, and then there's a bunch of different Ken's, and then mm-hmm. there's, um, I think that's pretty much the only overlap. Michael Sarah's in this. By yeah, me, he was going to get mentioned. Which I'm sure is a, an actual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was introduced in 1964 by Mattel as Ken's best friend, yep. which explains a lot about his character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for you, like what stood out um, casting-wise? Issa Rae. Yeah. She okay. was fantastic. So she was, yeah, president, right? Yep. She was president Barbie. Yep. There's a great sequence that happens. Um, basically, so when, when Barbie and Ken go to the real world, um, they, their eyes are both opened in different ways, right? Barbie thinks like the world's going to be so thankful. It's also not clear, like the realism of this, Mm -hmm. like how much of this is really them going over to, it doesn't matter. I don't think, um, she's like, they're going to love me. Not the case. It's very like, it's a 2023 kind of world where it's like you've ruined women, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then Ken is like, oh, in the real world, like men run things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and I don't even remember why I said that now. Um, oh, President Barbie, because everybody, when they get back, he's like changed stuff, which we don't have to talk about now. But mm-hmm. um, I agree. Issa Rae, Issa Rae is great. Um
1: yeah. Issa Rae and Kate McKinnon, I think, were the two of the best casting choices in this movie.
0: Yeah. I'm, that's. I mean, you're... Definitely spot on. I also think America Ferreira as Gloria, the mom of a, of a kid who she's trying to bond with but can't quite seem to connect with. She's also an employee of Mattel. Mm-hmm. She's like the receptionist outside of the CEO's office or something. Yeah. Um, she has some great moments, particularly towards the end, mm-hmm. um, that you really have to buy so they don't become preachy yeah. or soapboxy or anything. And I think she sells it really, really well. Yeah, she had a hell of a mm-hmm. monologue. Yeah, and it's one of those things that the portions of that monologue essentially get used as um clickbait no no no. like for the other characters get <laughs> ah. used as like um i don't know you tell me if this is saying too much but like a um a deprogramming mm. tool
1: 100 percent.
0: so we hear these phrases over and over but they're wrapped up in comedy and self-awareness so they don't feel like they're preachy mm-hmm. i think it's so good yeah but i think it all hinges upon america ferrera's performance delivering that monologue in the first place and she kills it
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it was a pretty stark a commentary on the mm. life of you know, yeah. a female woman in twenty twenty three. I think that's a a perspective displayed so brutally, honestly, that uh, it's a little bit shocking to some moviegoers. Totally.
0: Uh, very lastly, then Will Ferrell as the CEO. You're Worked a fan of? Yeah. Okay. You're into to it.
1: Yep. Yeah, he is great as pure comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this was kind of a return to form for him in in, in a comedy role, and I think it was a silly goose time. I think he had a lot of added a lot of lightheartedness to that, and he came across as is a kind of a likable, terrible villain. You know, <laughs> I think yeah. he 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 is that marriage of someone that you can despise and also chuckle at at the same time. And I think you need a very specific person to fill that role.
0: I agree. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR ninety point one FM. If you have thoughts on Barbie. Feel free to get in touch. You can call or text us at 530-433-0839 or send a good old-fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. Upcoming is a trailer for Oppenheimer. There are no spoilers in our discussion, so don't change that button. We imagine a future. And our imaginings horrify us. They won't fear it. Until they understand it. And they won't understand it. Until they've used it. Theory will take you only so far. Trusted with such a weapon. But we have no choice. That was a trailer for Oppenheimer, uh, again, in in the theme of running out of time to write my own intros. um, For two movies that I really would have loved to, by the way, here is the internet synopsis. During World War II, Lieutenant General Leslie Groves Jr., that's Matt Damon in this movie, appoints physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer, Killian Murphy, to work on the top secret Manhattan project. Oppenheimer and a team of scientists spend years developing and designing the atomic bomb. Their work comes to fruition on July 16th, 1945 as they witness the world's first nuclear explosion forever changing the course of history. Uh, again, this film was directed by Christopher Nolan. He also wrote the script. It was based on a book um, by Kai Bird and Martin Sherwin called uh, American Prometheus. There's a longer title than that, but that's the gist. And it stars Killian Murphy as Oppenheimer. Emily Blunt plays his wife, Catherine. Matt Damon, like I said, is General Leslie Groves. You also have Robert Downey Jr. as Louis Strauss. Um, Florence Pugh shows up as a gal named Jean Tatlock. Um, also in the film are Josh Hartnett, Casey Affleck, Rami Malek, Kenneth Branagh. Benny Safty, Jason Clark, plenty of others, uh, also came to theaters July 21st, and it runs a whopping epic three hours, even. Johnny Summers, yo. Um, I mean, I don't think we need to give much of a history on the Manhattan Project. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically going into this just knew that Oppenheimer was kind of the guy behind the atomic bomb. Um, I think that's what most people are taught.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I've there's like buzzwords from this time in school. I'm like, yeah, Manhattan Project, bomb, World War II, Oppenheimer stuff Mm -hmm. hydrogen bomb gets in there sometimes yeah this movie goes into really like the 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 psyche of this guy Mm -hmm. and it's told kind of from two perspectives it's on one hand it's it's oppenheimer's experience which is portrayed in the movie mostly through color sequences and then there's the perspective of robert downey jr's character uh Louis strauss strauss who is uh kind of the counterpoint to oppenheimer he's he's in in a sequence of like a courtroom essentially basically indicting him for reasons we might get into and we might not.
1: Yeah, it was uh, an a- appointment trial or a, an appointment hearing. That's it was like a tribunal sure. for his placement into the cabinet, I believe. Right. So he was never like actually on trial, but right. it kind of, it descended into more of a an
0: yeah. inquisition
1: than a tribunal. Right,
0: so that's that's like the two sides of this movie. There's there's one from the perspective of this man, this ambitious fellow by Robert Downey Jr., um, doing his thing and as it pertains to Oppenheimer, certainly. And the rest is about kind of the 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 impetus for creating this atomic bomb in the first place and the, the psychological fallout of once it happens. Yeah.
1: And and the bigger questions, the moral, ethical, totally philosophical, the very meta topics. Yeah. Of, it's of superweapons, right?
0: It's a movie that fits into the filmography of Nolan in some ways where you might at first not be, you would maybe wouldn't necessarily like, Oh yeah, this is a Christopher Nolan movie. Like there's no weird reverse, chronology stuff <laughs> Thank God. Um, there's not like dream sequences thank god um, man i love that kind of stuff though i do appreciate that the groundwork for this was hinted at in Tenet, with like because the whole idea of Tenet is like this basically like people in the future have come up with essentially the atomic bomb of time travel um so i like that christopher nolan's been tipping his his hand towards being interested in this concept um but what did yeah what did i know you like nolan's films i know for the most part you do like his movies like mm-hmm. yeah I, yeah um, what did you think of Oppenheimer? Man, I thought it was probably his most approachable film. Uh, as like general audiences go? Yes. Okay.
1: For, for the non-movie nerd film person movie goer. Okay. Yeah, very approachable. It had a fairly linear plot. Yeah. Uh, even though it was diverged into two main, like you said, mm-hmm. narrations. Mm-hmm. I think overall it was very palatable. It was... Easy to understand, which is... I mean, yeah, it not, counts for something. It counts for a lot, especially with this moviegoer. Sure. Um, and I really like the the deep dive character study that they did on J. Robert Oppenheimer and the, the moral dilemma that he had, and not only after it was invented, but during the invention of the atomic bomb. And right. It was a really deep look into how something so heavy can affect a person. And I think Killian Murphy is the perfect person to portray that sort of inner turmoil. He is such a fantastic physical actor. I mean, he's got such an expressive face and, and striking sharp features that I think that that kind of stress, uh, uh-huh. Is portrayed very well on his
0: face. Yeah, and he here's does. a picture of actual Oppenheimer. Yeah, and when you see him, I mean, th- there is a resemblance here—like very sunken-eyed, very gaunt. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading an article, and I'm not even sure if this is true, so I don't want to spread misinformation. But in order to maintain that kind of, you know, hollow skeletal look, that mm-hmm. Killian Murphy—this seems crazy saying it out loud. He said he limited his diet every day on set to an almond, which is like weirdly specific, right? And seems like a lie, but also like I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he is certainly the man for the job.
1: Yeah. So I thought. He did a fantastic job. I thought it was written very well. Uh, I had a few problems with the third act, but it wasn't anything that would make the movie, you know, any less amazing. Okay. Just some some nits to pick there. Um, But overall, I thought it was pretty stunning, man. I think the cast was uh, large, and I liked seeing, you know, there was some people that worked and some people that I was just kind of okay.
0: Can Um, you give me an example of one? uh, Josh Hartnett. He's a weird guy. He he's, was just fine for me. He's. What do you think of? What do you think of him? Oh, the uh,
1: Forty Days of Night. Or, oh no,
0: no um, that's funny. No, that other vampire movie. Is it called Forty Days of Night? Yeah, yeah, in Alaska.
1: Yeah, right. And then he did the one where um, I think he gave up like sex for Lent or something. Uh, way back in the day.
0: Well, so, okay, that's I didn't expect you to say either of those, but on on the vampire topic, um, you pointed out that Killian Murphy doesn't usually play a leading man, mm-hmm. um, and I think the last time he has properly was 28 Days Later, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, Peaky Blinders as the yep. TV show, but I thought that was so interesting, because he's been in a lot of Nolan movies, like we thought he was in Dunkirk, he was in um, Inception, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe one more, um, but... Yeah, I think that's a, a nice thing to point out. What I brought up, Josh Hartnett was, uh, the reason I brought it up was that he was also in Pearl Harbor. Mm. a movie that came out in uh, 2001. That's right. <clears throat> which is a nice tie-in kind of. Right. Um, but he plays like, he just does like a lot of war stuff, but he also plays like hot boy stuff. Like he was in Operation Rouge de Guerre
1: mm-hmm. or whatever,
0: Operation Fortune, that Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah. Like he doesn't, I'm I'm like mixed on him. Like I don't know if he can sell kind of the more he I he definitely doesn't work for me as like a, Intellectual? a super brainy physicist on on like a quantum level. I don't I don't know if I bought that. Josh so Hartnett do. doesn't know mm. quantum mechanics. And it's what? not his fault. Like, you know, um but whatever. So I'm, yeah, I think Josh Hartnett was maybe uh not the most convincing person in this movie, for yeah. sure. Um what about Emily Blunt for you? I liked
1: her performance quite a bit. She's got a lot to work. She had a lot to do. She did. She had a lot to do. There was a lot of meat to chew on the script for her and that character. Uh, That character had a lot of depth, very multifaceted, Mm -hmm. and I think she pulled
0: it off very well. It's a tough thing to – because I think – you know, prior to this movie, prior to learning about this, I couldn't have cared less if Oppenheimer had a wife. Right. You know, it's not part of the narrative we're taught. Mm-hmm. Um, so then to be – and I'd like to check out the source material, American Prometheus here, but because um, I'm not sure how much of it came directly from the book versus how much was Nolan kind of improvising. Um, I would like to know how much of this relationship, be it from the book or from Nolan's mind, was actually based in reality because – it makes so much more sense if you're analyzing the psyche of a guy like this to want to understand his home life and how sort of like his his emotional backbone and support system would would function. Yeah, look at the whole person. Right, and she she does such a good job with it. I think Emily Blunt's fantastic in this.
1: Yeah, um, I agree. I think,
0: yeah. What about Matt Damon? It's the other one I kind of wanted to ask straight away. Yeah.
1: He was tough at first. Okay, sure. Just because he's Matt Damon, mm-hmm. it's tough. Yeah. Seeing him be like this military authoritarian type figure and Uh, taking him seriously with the mustache.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But he maybe grew into it or you grew into that role for him. Yeah. And I
1: don't think he was quite present enough in the movie to be a distraction.
0: There's one line that gets, I think thrown in most trailers It might be in the one we just played, um, where he has to say with, with true passion, like, how about something like, how about because this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of mankind? In the gosh darn world. Right, which yeah. is like a really, really cheesy line if you deliver it wrong. And I don't think that line totally worked for me. And it yeah. could just be because I've seen it in the trailer so many times that I saw it coming.
1: I had never seen it in the trailer, and that line made me almost laugh out loud.
0: It's a tricky one. There's a couple lines like that. Like at one point, um, one character says to Oppenheimer, he goes, uh, you know, like, Op, you're you're the great improviser, but you can't do this in your head or something like that. Which, like, I think if if Oppenheimer is known as the great improviser, which I think he is, he certainly wasn't called that by his friends in that time. Right. It just seems like a weird, like, choice. To be like, ah, oh, like, we're going to make that, one more reference to, you know, his legacy or something. That nickname came later, guys. Right. Like, you can't just, could know, and that's a terrible nickname to call a friend. Like, Oppie makes sense, even yeah. though it's a little goofy. But you would right. be like, ah, oh, what's up, the great improviser? Nice <laughs> to see you. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I don't know. Um, let, me, let me get an out of 10 from you, Johnny, on, on Oppenheimer here.
1: <laughs> out of 10. It feels all day like an eight point nine. Eight point nine. Why? Why not nine? It just didn't hit it for me, man. I mean, it was that's a that's a lazy excuse out of a critique. No, it didn't deliver in like if the cast was perfect, right? If Matt Damon's character was played by someone else, okay. you know what I'm saying? There's there's elements of the cast. There's players in this puzzle that didn't make the pieces fit together as perfectly as they could have with some different choices, maybe some different writing. There are some problem. I have some problems with some of those lines mm-hmm. like that. And just overall, there were moments where I was just like, that's
0: silly. Okay. Um, for me, it's again, a nine, it's not quite a perfect movie. Um, so it's not a 10 for me, but I think even, even the qualms that I have don't like those that we've talked about already. Um, that was probably as deep as we'll go today for, for people that haven't seen it. But like, those aren't enough to distract me from the real stuff that the movie's about, which is like, yeah, so if we've talked about like the consequences of what this might've been like to, mm-hmm. to unleash this on the world and the and the, um, the repercussions you'd have on your your moral integrity and um, like living with that for forever and um, j- just, just the whole idea is so crazy. It, There's this great sequence that happens um, basically when Oppenheimer's announcing to like a gymnasium full of people mm, waving yeah. American flags. I love the way the scene's played because- you know, at first, it's it's a triumphant moment. That's how I'm sure it felt in America because we weren't totally aware of the fallout of what had happened. Um, but you and me, the audience in the future, very much aware um, of the insane catastrophe that dropping those bombs caused. Mm-hmm. So the way that they play that scene is the perspective of the, of the people in the crowd are like cheering, joyous. But even at this point, Oppenheimer's like, I think this is horrible. I've done something. Yeah questionable at the very Mm -hmm. least and we get these close-up shots and interspliced in the crowd as he's processing what he's saying like you get little glimpses of what it might have been like to drop a nuclear bomb on that crowd like people skin peeling it's very creepy not leaning into like the horror realm but very unsettling yeah and there's there's that interplay between what we have understood him to be as a historical figure which is who knows again Mm -hmm. right because it's just like what the history books are telling us and what the public education system has taught us versus maybe what this book has said and what Nolan wants to tell us, which is that he might've been a little more conflicted. And the way that scene balances those two perspectives um, for us as the audience, I think was brilliant. Absolutely. All that to say, none of the qualms that I've talked about so far really take away from any of that. I still think the message of the movie is strong. Killian Murphy's performance is so good. He's going to be a list leading man. I agree. has got to be after this. I just, I think it's it's really, really well done. Um, And I know a lot of people probably will, Will and have talked about sort of the the technical achievement of creating this explosion. There's Mm -hmm. tons of articles if you bother to look. And, like, the headline's always like, Nolan didn't use any CGI in recreating the nuclear bomb, which is cool. I think that's awesome. Um, But at the end of the day, for me, a movie isn't necessarily about the spectacle. Right. Um, And certainly in a movie like this. I also saw a trailer for Meg 2, The Mm -hmm. Trench. That movie's all about the spectacle. Yeah. I want a great shark in that, but uh, whatever. And Jason Statham. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but even here, I think it's something, there is something to be said for the fact that the message of the film, the themes and the performances outweigh even what is an incredible spectacle. So it's a strong nine for me. I'm, I'm very much about this movie. I, think it's really I love
1: good. it. That's a great, great review, man. It's, it really captured the weight and that, that moral dilemma, the weight on the yeah. shoulders, weight of the world on the shoulders, man. And it, it, they pulled it off.
0: You got Anything else on Oppenheimer for now, Johnny Somers? No, I think we're there, man. I All mean, right. we
1: could probably talk about Ooh, yeah, that movie could. for hours, but sure. no, I think we're there for now.
0: Great. It's, uh, like we said, currently in wide release. Please let us know if you've seen it. You can shoot us a text or email or find us on social media at any of the places we've said so far on the episode. In the meantime, Johnny, let's grab another beer. Let's grab Electric Pineapple, shall we? Let's do it. All right. We're back with Electric Pineapple, Johnny. Um here, okay, this this is an a misleading a third of the show. A mis- this is a third for the show, a misleading what? description. Here's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> the untapped description, which I think is misleading, making it the third underwhelming or misleading description I've stolen from the internet on the show today. Does that make more sense? Yes. This says, no surprises here. I think probably not true. Just a ridiculously refreshing pineapple fruit beer brewed with lots of pineapple puree. It's seven and a half percent. It's a fruit beer. Allegedly, Um, we did tons of research. Um, Here's the gist that I got from the internet. A fruit beer is basically any style of beer. You can make any style of beer a fruit beer by brewing it with fruit. You can have fruited IPAs. You can have a fruited Kolsch. You can have a fruited sour. The rub here is that this just says fruit beer. And we haven't tasted it yet. So who knows what the actual style is. I would guess, based on our track record with the brewery, that uh, it's potentially a sour. Um, now, you're giggling. <laughs> That's
1: not a sour.
0: It's not? Nope. Okay. Um, what If you had to take a stab at it, what style is this beer? Maybe a Pilsner. That'd Maybe, be an odd move. Maybe. Okay. Maybe an I, I. So, it pours looking like a Pilsner or a West Coast IPA. Uh, very, very pale yellow. Why
1: don't they tell us what kind of beer it is, Max? I don't know.
0: That's, I cannot speak to this. That's so dumb. Um, this particular beer has 140 unique reviews on Untappd. Not a ton, obviously. You, I think, are safely in the camp of not enjoying this. That's gross. But could you please stop doing that before I've tried it? Because try as I might, you're impacting I'm my- I'm sorry. Just can you poker face me a little bit? It's also- beer's delicious. While you're- Yeah, that's still doing it. You just say nothing. <laughs> um, is there a canning date on this on this beer? I will look on the first one because we still have that can in front and I don't see one. I suppose I'm not terribly surprised.
1: Negatory. Um,
0: okay, I'm gonna taste this. Would you please describe the can? Because again, I think it's why we grabbed these. It is a
1: like a baby blue, almost pastel can with um, a pineapple, like a like a picture of the actual fruit, mm-hmm. sliced in half, like you were playing um, Fruit Ninja. Mm-hmm. If you played that game. It's a fantastic game. Uh, fun cursive, hot pink script uh, saying electric, and then pineapple in blue. Uh, very simple, clean, um, fairly sexy can.
0: It is a great looking can. Yep. Uh, that is where the sexiness ends. Yep. I have now tried it. Um so n- not a sour. I'm mm-hmm. with you. It's definitely got a maltiness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, um yeah, like a grainy, a grain and malt kind of um quality. Yeah. I was gonna say hoppiness because there's like a sharpness there, but I think that's pineapple more so than hop. So I would love to know if there is like a base beer that they're using for this and they're tweaking it for their own recipe and uh, and releasing it as its own thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure that Pilsner would be what I would guess. I don't know what it is yet though. Yeah, it's extremely carbonated. I'll tell you that. It's got that subtle, like
1: then suddenly in your face, like sweetness, like like a bad Pilsner. That's weird. Yeah.
0: But it also is like what happens with the bad pineapple. So yeah. in that sense, very smart pairing, yeah
1: um this beer is so infuriating, infuriating for me because it just says fruit beer, sure first of all, so mm. all we know that's in this is some sort of fermented beer t- uh, type of product and pineapple well, like, hang on thats just so look, disingenuous, but if you tried something to the like, consumer,
0: like jamband that that fruited sour that you like, yeah, it's but the you didn't know what kind of beer it was, you would still enjoy it, mm-hmm. Why does this upset you just by the lack of knowledge?
1: Well, I knew that that, you know, jamband, it says fruited ale. But you, Sure. Right? So with this, is this a sour? Is it a smoothie sour? Like stylistically, at least that gives you a starting off point. This is completely ambiguous. I guess what I'm
0: getting at is if it were really good, it wouldn't matter to you what it was called. Like this no, is only but- an issue for a bad beer. No, I
1: think I would still be upset because you should tell people what kind of beer is in your cans. I think that's 101. Oh, I see.
0: You're not coming at it from not liking how it tastes because it told you not what it was. Correct. You're mad because of the whole
1: package. The simple fact that like you are not telling your consumers who you want them to give you their hard-earned money. You're not even going to tell me what kind of beer is in this can. That is absolute garbage like sorry that's unacceptable that's that shouldn't happen in the industry and i think that's
0: quite frankly a bit of a sham i'm still thinking that fruit beer is a style it's not you know i have the um oh man we really ought to have these printed out but i have the uh what is the acronym what are the words that stand for bc uh i sound so dumb you know like the brewer's guideline what is that competition that i can't think of the c- Pfft, no, that's man. the Craft
1: Brewers Conference.
0: Maybe it's closer. Whatever. Whatever that is, um, There, I think there's a category for fruit beer, um, but, but I'm not sure. I could be thinking of a German style, which is a frucht beer, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't really know. Um, let's assume for now until we hear otherwise that you are correct, and that is just an ambiguous um, underselling of a more specific style. With you, totally. Let's move on to how it actually drinks. Yeah.
1: What so after the deception of the can... Uh, we are gifted with a tremendously awful liquid.
0: Through and through? Terrible from start to finish?
1: Yeah. Do not like anything about this beer. It smelled funky. I love nose. how it smells. It smelled like um like a juicy burp. That's the way I would describe it. Well, that's kind of nice. No,
0: it's not. I think it smells pretty much like pineapple juice. It smells like sharp carbonated pineapple juice. That
1: smells like really, really off pineapple juice maybe if you left pineapple juice on the counter for a couple days
0: well maybe but still like the predominant scent is pineapple are we in agreement on that no smell mine does mine smell different um no yours smells the same yeah Yeah. oh no you know i think we were not recording yet but i think you might have said this smells a little bit like vomit Mm -hmm. and there is a distinct bile ish quality especially in your class yeah um Smell mine because I don't – it's there maybe at the end if you're really looking for it. But I don't think oh, yeah, it's, no, nearly, it's right, yeah, no. It's same um, Okay. No,
1: I don't want a beer that smells like bile and I don't want a beer that tastes this off. Like, this is just funky. I kind of like in it. In the worst way, I kind of like it. It's too bitter. It's, it's way too bitter. It's like sour like an IPA gone awry or a lager that's just way too old. Lager maybe IPA, no. It's I got think. this really wonky – cardboardy muddled
0: yes off it does fruit flavor to it. This is awful and I hate it, Max. It is okay. I was trying to agree with you for most of this. I don't think it's awful, but a lot of what you're saying is correct. It's too bitter. It's like wet cardboardy, but I kind of like it. This is awful. In a weird way I do like it. Um I don't you like it's don't get me wrong. I'm only saying that because I'm trying to be a counterpoint to you. But if I were me in a vacuum, which is essentially what my rating is going to be, it's not going to be like a seven. seven. Um, yeah, you know, I guess in that spirit, I am probably just about ready to rate it. If you are, um, why don't I go first and I'm going to give it a three. I think it's great in yeah. that sense. It's like, like fine. I'm glad I drank it. It's a cool can. What a lovely idea of a beer does not deliver almost at all, but a little it's okay. What about you? Point 0.5. You can't go
1: below one. All right. So it's like a 1.1. Why not just go one? Because it, it's, it's not just, it's it, no, it's a 1.1. 1. 1. It is one of the worst beers I've ever had in my life. I never want to see it, drink okay. it, smell it, or think about it again. All right. I absolutely hate it.
0: Okay. Well, I uh, you know, your mouth, your choice. It's completely,
1: it's undrinkable for me.
0: So a year from now, we get an email from Temblor saying, hey, we've redone some of our beers. We'd love if you tried our new batch. Are you trying them? Of course.
1: Great. I Everyone in this world should be given the chance, chance to grow.
0: Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well then I'm with you. Here's, here's a weird thing that we can say this time. Um, these beers were available at Spikes bottle shop. Mm -hmm. The day we're releasing this is, um, July 28th. There was some stuff going on at Spikes where I don't think they're selling alcohol for a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. So you might have to find it somewhere else, which I'm not sure if it is anywhere, or I would point you in that direction. Um, so look around town if you, um, want to commiserate with us. Or if you think we're totally wrong about this beer, if uh, you know maybe, maybe we got a bad one, uh, any number of things could have happened.
1: If you find this beer in Chico and you try it and you like it, come find
0: me and we'll fight. <laughs> Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. To recap, both of our beers this week did come from Temblor and we got them at Spikes, but like I just said, maybe can't grab them there at this moment, depending on where uh, you are listening. Barbie and Oppenheimer are currently screening in wide release. Barbie If you have feedback on anything we've discussed today, you can, of course, call or text us at 530-433-0839. Grab a pen or your phone because, again, that number is 530-433-0839. Or if you're nice like that, feel free to send us a good old-fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com next week um, despite my better sensibilities we're reviewing the latest in a24 horror with talk to me which opens in wide release Friday July 28th Johnny um what's the what's the gist of this movie can you can you break it down for me
1: um okay so it's essentially a24's take on a, like a Ouija board a Ouija board kind. teenage party possession horror type movie where it's it centers around this statue shaped like a hand. Sure. In sens- I think,
0: yeah, is it a statue is it like
1: a hand? It's a statue because uh, it's stationary. Yeah, I thought it was like a
0: petrified but hand. But then it like
1: it might be. Who I don't knows? Know. We haven't seen the We gotta see the movie <laughs> first. So the essentially you have like this large group of, of teenagers and it becomes this viral sensation thing, like people film themselves, like yep. their friends getting possessed. Right. As like a fun TikTok I, thing. Oh, it's such a cool concept. And, and I hope that really taps into the meta hive mind of yeah, social media. There's tons of room for commentary. It's supposed to be really scary. It's the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes of 2023 in the horror genre. Oh, really? Uh, it's rating like a 96 with 75 ratings. As that's of not today. nothing, though. And it's, it's actually
0: 97%. Boom. Boom. And 90 critics. Check your facts. Okay. Well, mine, that mine was... are updated, yeah. yeah
1: the yeah. numbers are ever-evolving, much like Temblor's Beers, am I right? Ayo. So, anyways, we are super stoked on that movie. I'm going to rent a whole theater out just for me and Max. If I was a rich man, man. we would see this
0: Um,
1: So, anyways, that's next week. We're not sure on beers yet, but... This movie has a bunch of hype in my world and I'm sure in yours as well.
0: Um are you how's what's your hype level? Well, so I look, man, um, long time you and I both are fans of A24. A24 is just about the only distribution and these days production company that I will pretty much see anything from because they've just got such a great track record. And that includes horror movies, because I'm almost always guaranteed to find a horror movie with some larger context or commentary um as you know about about the world or about i mean, in this case what what i'm really excited about for this movie is that it takes this kind of trope which is like dumb kids messing with something that they don't think is real mm-hmm. they get possessed but this one is like it's kids messing with something they know is real and then on top of that which is so that's already a new thing then they're filming it and putting it on the internet which like makes so much room for talking about hopefully more than just kids being dumb on the internet and how people can be talked into stupid stuff when they have the pressures of of social media you know Mm -hmm. um i just love that as a fresh new concept and um just a quick shout out to the directors danny and michael philippo um i think it's philippo that sounds insane to say p-h-i-l-i-p-p-o-u um i think they're (coughs) they're australians um they did the babadook um that can't be right uh the babadook was jessica kent am i wrong i don't know that sounds right
1: there's been a couple movies about babadooks it's hard to say
0: uh maybe he was a writer on it either way um your question was what is my hype level on this yeah i'm very hyped i'm also very scared right i don't want to see it but i am going to
1: uh part of me wants to make a point to go with you to see it part of me wants to send you alone
0: (sighs) the last movie i saw horror movie i saw truly alone was the black phone um that which ethan hawk so um was it i liked it i thought it was okay i liked it a lot um but i did see that one i think on a tuesday morning at 9 15 in an empty theater which always feels like it's not empty you know what i mean i was in like the front in yeah. like the the, the 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 foot the footrest seats mm-hmm. i swear someone was in there man it Dude, really gets me
1: yeah that happened to me we saw was it apollo 13 was it's that apollo 13? 11 no, 11 yeah i saw that in the theater completely by myself
0: See, that'd be kind of fun,
1: though. Dude, but there's those large scenes where it's all just space for a really long time, yeah, yeah. and it's completely dark, and I kept hearing things move behind me. I moved to the back row, right, under the projector. That makes sense. It's like, mm-mm, not today, ghost. Right.
0: Um, all that to say, that movie is called Talk to Me, which hits theaters uh, this Friday, July 28th. Go see it if you want to know all the juicy details we'll be discussing.
1: As a reminder to our radio listeners, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes the always unpredictable hot and bothered, or if you want to go digging through six plus years worth of episodes dating back to 2016, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to us, Fresh Hop Cinema.
0: We'll be back on the radio waves of KZFR next Saturday at 4 p.m. Set your calendars. So until then, consume some films and beers that broaden your horizons. And if you enjoyed the show, you can leave a tip at kzfr.org. Please enjoy the rest of your weekend, and to those of you currently heading to the beach or cleaning your house and listening in podcast form, we will be right back with Hot and Bothered. Hot and Bothered. Welcome to Hot and Bothered, baby. It's where we talk about stuff. Not necessarily Barbenheimer which I, I wanted to say at least once in this episode, um, or beers that we're covering on the show. Um, and I don't think either of us are talking about beers. You probably will, actually, with your travels, I yep. assume. Well, so I'm gonna go first. Um, I recently, in an in a attempt to not just scroll endlessly on a streaming platform, basically clicked the first movie that showed up. I think this was, um, I think it was Netflix. Uh, and that film was Miami Vice. A 2006 movie remake of an 80s TV show starring Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx as, um, are they FBI agents, <clears throat> do you think? I thought they were just cops. They're like, yeah, they might just be cops. Who knows? They're but
1: <clears throat> Ambiguous law enforcement yeah, entities. They're like
0: cool guys that um, are working the drug trade in Miami um, to try to make big busts. I think they were undercover, like narcos. Sure. That's exactly what they were. Yep. Yeah. Um, they get involved in some stuff. It's a, it's a high stakes kind of, um, crime heisty kind of movie. It's not very good. Um, but like a totally passable action thriller movie, um, that I just hadn't seen. And I was pleasantly surprised to kill, um, what ended up being like, you know, an hour 45 watching this. I think, right. it, I think it was great. Nice. Um, we also spent some time recently talking about Jamie Foxx's, um, rise to stardom, whether it was music first or movies first. And I still don't remember the right one. Was it movies first? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So this was like right around, I think this was right before Ray. So like right before he started hitting it big with his music. Um, and Colin Farrell's always pretty great, except for his disgusting mustache goatee combo in this. <laughs> it was very 2006 and very off-putting. Did not buy it. I, I bought it. It was just gross. Yeah. So if that's Miami Vice. Johnny, give me something.
1: Word. Well, I had a nice trip to Oregon uh, for my birthday. <laughs> Happy up, birthday. Thanks, man. I went up there for a long weekend, saw a bunch of family, a bunch of friends, went to my nephew's wedding, did... All the things. Hung out with Keith Beck, the man who married us, the man, the myth, the legend. Sure. Uh, got to go brewery hopping a bit. I will give you the highlights. There were two. Von Ebert. Sure. Good God. Some of the best beer in Classic. the country right now. They had eight Pilsners on tap. You tried all of them? Oh, yeah. Good. So happy. Uh, hoping we get some of their stuff in distro in this area at some point. Did you bring any back? No, I, f- I didn't. You fool. I know. Okay. Uh, and then the other was wayfinder
0: I you found. love wayfinder
1: got to go to their physical location had some great beers great times those are two must hits in portland in my opinion nice so dude that's the the little mini version ate a bunch of great food it was
0: it was tremendous well welcome back thanks glad to have you yeah we had a couple of weeks off the off the air here yeah i watched so much stuff yeah um i watched something um a film called beyond the black rainbow so did i from director panos cosmatos yeah who um love that guy don't know why you know the name but if uh, you do um, good for you. You're in on The Secret. If you don't, he directed uh, Mandy, um, which is a Nick Cage sort of hyper-violent fever dream of a drug-induced kind of movie. Love that um, movie. Like a real kind of uh, revenge quest after his wife is murdered, if I remember right. Sacrificed. She's sacrificed by like a cult. Yep. What a weird movie. biker cult. Yeah, like a, a biker cult from hell. Um, really, really... Um, a movie with, like it or not, a very singular defined vision um, that was then closely followed by another Nick Cage movie called Color Out of Space, which is more of a sci-fi horror kind of thing. Was that H.G. Wells that that was based on? Um, I want to say Lovecraft. But you're right. I think you're right. Okay, double check though. Yep. Um, equally disturbing for different reasons. There's a ton of like really gooey, gross alien body horror in that movie, but Nick Cage, again, just like coming through clutch in in a fantastic role. Yeah. Um, Anyways, this was all um, then led to a conversation with our friend and patron, Chris Gomez. It was Lovecraft, Lovecraft yeah, um, who sits on our Patreon pedestal here where he gets to come and review a movie with us every so often. Um, we're supposed to provide beers for him, but he keeps bringing his own beers and sharing them with us, so shout out to Chris for that. <laughs> um, anyways, he we, during our last recording session where we covered um, Titan AE, we were trying to figure out the next movie and some godforsaken reason Panos Cosmatos came up, and we decided we wanted to watch a movie uh, that none of us had seen, and that just is the next thing that we were like, hey, well, how about Beyond the Black Rainbow? So we watched it. We had lots of thoughts on it. We spent maybe an hour and 15 minutes talking about it with Chris yesterday. Um, Great conversation. I can't say the same about the movie personally. Um, Johnny, you can't either. Uh, Chris might, but to know that, you'd have to listen to it on our Patreon, which is behind our one dollar high paywall so mm-hmm. decide if that's worth it but i think that was a great conversation um and i had a great blast kind of getting back into the swing of recording so all in all pretty good things so shout out one more time chris um and shout out to panos Cosmados in a way hell yeah that's what i got
1: nice i've got three things rapid fire <clears throat> oh hit me okay finish ted lasso season three.
0: Oh, good for you i haven't yet it was so, so good so lock it up i loved it okay great uh they yeah because you were not sold on it at first of season three yeah i thought maybe you didn't like it at first no not at all oh, okay never mind no it, it
1: critically it had some some naysayers but okay i've loved every single season i think that show is, it's is great. tremendous
0: it's great the world needs it yep okay. and
1: i watched an old movie and a new movie i watched okay. an old movie called the edge of tomorrow which you recommended that's where i did dude i'm not looking no it you recommended it a long time ago well sure and then like years ago and yes. then you re-watched it fairly recently probably within the last year
0: or within the last three
1: months okay and so that kind of put it back on my radar as something like and i'm a big sci-fi can i throw out the facts action movie guy so it blew me away that i hadn't seen it yes so yeah hit me with some facts
0: 2014 edge of tomorrow it's a sci-fi action movie um starring tom cruise emily blunt um from director doug lyman Essentially, um, Tom Cruise is a general in the army, but he does like promo stuff. He's not really on the front lines. Then makes bad with the general, gets thrown into the army, gets killed in battle by these aliens. Then Groundhog Day style wakes up every time he's murdered because the aliens kind of have this device that lets them um, predict what humans are going to do to defeat the aliens. They have to defeat that thing. It's Mm -hmm. this great sort of paradoxical time travel combat thriller movie. It's freaking awesome. I loved it.
1: It's yeah. Yeah. It's one that I had just it kind of fell through the cracks. Uh, You know, it came out at a time before we were forcing ourselves to watch movies every week. So it was just, you know, 2014, I was just floating around all willy-nilly. I wasn't a part of any important podcast yet. So uh, there was no real push for me to watch it. Just fell through the cracks and I'm bummed that it did, but I'm stoked that I
0: finally watched it. Yeah. It was fantastic. I've just learned one new thing, which is that it it was adapted from um, a Japanese science fiction novel. Cool. Do you know what the novel is called? What? All You Need Is Kill. Yes (laughs) Yes <laughs> it's, um, Doesn't I think Edge of Tomorrow Is a much better name uh, You know For a lot of reasons That doesn't All you need is kill mm-hmm. Funny but You know Doesn't nearly hint at the, the, the complexities That is that movie All you need is kill Kill Yeah I guess That's ridiculous <clears throat> All right an old or, movie.
1: An old, no, yeah, that was the old movie. Oh, that was the old and movie. And watched a brand new movie okay. uh, on Netflix called They Clone Tyrone. I don't want you to look it up. Oh, okay.
0: I Great. think this is a- and well, tell me who directed it and tell me who's in it and stuff.
1: Okay. So it stars mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx, John Boyega, Tiana Paris, uh, J. Alphonse Nicholson, Kiefer Sutherland, David Allen Greer. Wow. Uh, it was directed by Jewel Taylor. Uh, it dropped on July 14th, 2023. Super new. Uh had some hype on uh, Reddit. Okay. I, I lurk on a lot of movie subreddits on Reddit, and that one kind of was just- as far as Netflix originals, it was rising to the Oh, it's, an, it's a Netflix. Yeah, MG. Okay. it dropped right to Netflix. Um, I don't want to go into much of what it's about. I think this is what I read, and I would reiterate it to you. Okay. This is a movie that's better the less you know and, like, the more you just go into it and let okay. it happen to you. Um, it was fantastic. It was so great to see Jamie Foxx in a, a movie like this. He plays a pimp. That's all I'll say. Sure. Um, but... It goes and twists and turns and you think it's one thing and then it's a different thing. Um it was so funny. Okay. It was like Is it meant to be like a comedy? It's yeah. Okay. But it's also got a ton of social commentary. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Barbie. Sure. I would say it really is it wasn't. as good
0: as Barbie? Did you I mean I'm gonna ask you to rate it out of ten so you can tell me that. In a minute, I don't think I guess. it was as
1: good as Barbie because Barbie was damn near perfect. <clears throat> but yeah. it honestly, they cloned Tyrone. It was like an eight
0: four. Who's Tyrone? Jamie Foxx? Can't tell you. Ah, I think like I'm gonna find out. Like the mo- whatever. I don't need to know now. It's on Netflix. They clone Tyrone. I will check it out. Yeah, it's called a mystery
1: fantasy, but I oh. would I would call it a mystery mm. fantasy comedy. Okay. Like, there was so many just organically funny movie moments in that yeah. movie. Um, <clears throat> pleasantly surprised. So if you have Netflix, just watch it. It's like two clicks away. I'm done. Definitely
0: not with children. Okay, I don't have any, so perfect. I won't go get some to watch this. Perfect. Um, if you don't know, this show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, um, as well as all of the people that we know and love on Patreon who support us each and every week with their hard earned cash at patreon.com slash fresh Um, and as a reminder, in case you've forgotten in the hour and some change, we've been talking the handlebar has a great happy hour seven days a week. Go check them out. And, uh, my name is Max Minardi.
1: My name is Johnny Summers. Be sure to drink some beers that say what style they are on the can. Watch maybe who cloned Tyrone. I don't know. Watch some good stuff. Enjoy yourselves. Most importantly, be good to each other. See you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.